0: So Kristen has said that the um uh you came to the studio or came to Stanford Studios came, came back to Stan in 2009. Um uh, and amazing things were happening at that point. Can you take us before 2009? When did you come to LA? Had you studied acting previously? Um, I always love knowing how people got their first agent, their first credit, their SAG card. I love those like beginning little nuggets.
1: Yeah. Sure. Sure. Um. Well, what happened before 2009 wasn't so great, which is why I ended up at Stan's class asking for help. Um, but we'll get there. Uh, so, you know, look, I've just always been an opportunist. I didn't grow up in a family with artists. Um, my dad was in the military. We moved around a lot. Um, I think, you know, we, we have to be a bit of a behavioralist and 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 know how to study and read people. And, you know, I think I picked up some of that just, uh, you know, just by having to start over every year. Um, mm-hmm. Had been in the air force, so that kind of helped. But that, you know, uh, I just I didn't—I didn't know what I wanted to do. I just, you know, the world would sort of say, like, "Hey, you should—you should be a singer. You should be an actor." I'm like, "Okay, I guess." Um, so I just kept kind of falling forward into it. And um, I was a model at the time, not an industry I love. Uh, as a creative individual, it's—it's um, it's the antithesis of that. You know, just stand there. Don't—don't don't open your mouth. So I, you know, I, I felt a little bit like a round peg, square hole. Um, but I just, I was an opportunist. So it was sort of like, all right, this was my ticket out of town. I was going to college and I hated it. I was getting a degree in music theater and I quit school because I was just miserable in class. Yeah. Um, and uh, so, you know, there was an agency that was like, come model. And I was like, okay. And so I moved to Miami. And then um, I was, I, I auditioned for American Idol out of Atlanta because I had just a lot of friends I sang. You know, I, I still do sometimes. Um, and it was my fir- they flew me out to L.A. So, so I was a semi-finalist on that. And it was my first time in L.A. And L.A.'s energy is different from Miami. I mean, you know, people that didn't, I, I'm not laughing at, you know, I'm not laughing at people's pain. But people that were voted off the show were like, bah! I mean, on the floor. (laughs) And I never, and I was like, oh, well, that was a fun experience, you know? I didn't have that burning, dying passion for it, but it was just like, wow, these people out here will kill for this. And I kind of was inspired by that, just almost as an observer, like, this is very interesting to me. I've never seen anything (laughs) like it. I didn't really, you know, I was like, all right, well, on to the next thing. Like, it's not, I'm not going to kill me. Um, but I wanted to I wanted to be around that more and experience more of what, what, what it was that made people feel like that. Um so I moved to LA. Um so I I had an agent, a modeling agent, um, set up for me and the guy was super shady. He ended up going to jail. <laughs> he ended up oh, wow. going for um for a lot of fraud and you know, I mean, just he had a lot of bad stuff happening there at the agency. But one one thing I was a beneficiary of in his crime syndicate was uh, that he was representing actors when he shouldn't be because he was uh, an agent. And that's not, you know, that's a no-no. So even though he's, he's more on the modeling side, but um, he was sending guys on auditions. So all my friends, I'm like, oh, let's go play basketball. And they're like, I got an audition, bro. I can't do it. I'm like, how would you audition? I want audition. How do you get an audition? Yeah. He's like, just talk to... So I talked to my agent. And I was like, can you send me on stuff? He was like, yeah, sure. I was like, all right. Um, he sent me out. The first thing he sent me out on was this horror film called The Butcher, which you can probably still find. Um, <laughs> and it was just my audition. I walked in. I didn't know what the hell I was doing. No no clue. I, they gave me the sides. And it was a theater. So we were in, so I walked out on a stage, which I, you know, at that point in time, I'm like, I guess it's just like doing a play, you know, every time. And of course, <laughs> the, the last stage I was ever on. Um, and they had a spotlight come on, poof. you're ready Uh, whenever you're ready and it was a it was like a a scene where i get murdered so so there's like all this scene action and i just started flipping the f out i mean i was "Ah!" and i'm you know crawling backwards on the floor and like all getting dirty and crying and i just played like i i don't know i didn't know what i I didn't know what to do and they were like yes
2: we've never seen
1: anybody commit like this and uh you know it was a hundred dollars a day in cash for like a six day feature shoot you know I mean, it was nothing it was, it, was, uh, it was they shot the whole movie in six days it was, it was oh my god I'm like, you know, I'm like ready to cry because i'm on my last can of tuna you know and i'm like i'm home working um but that really helped kind of just having something helped open the door and i got into um uh, to this thing with Robert Zemeckis, and I, I was the animated image for Beowulf. So I did all the work on Beowulf for uh, Ray Winstone um, and was you know, around a lot of really cool people. Nobody cared who I was. Like, <laughs> everybody knew that I was like, Ray Winstone's, you know, false identity. So mm-hmm. um, I was a bit of the stepchild, but, but it was, again, it was such a cool thing to have on the resume and um, open more doors. And uh, the third thing I auditioned for was uh, Smallville, and i i booked that um i I was i I played aquaman and i was told at the time i think this has always stuck with me um they 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 had read 3,500 guys at the time just from everywhere they're trying to find this guy and again i didn't know what i was doing but i just kind of went in and just you know it was more like a persona thing um so i just kind of talked to him like this and the character was a little bit like this and he was just a normal guy and they said I was, the I couldn't believe it. They said I was the only person out of like 3,000 dudes that just read it like a normal guy. Everybody else had this facade or this, you know, like when I'm down under, you know, deep in the ocean with my seahorse, I, whatever, <laughs> uh, whatever people do to be a know, I don't know. Um, and they said I was the only one that just sort of just read it, you know, and, uh, mm. and uh, so that was interesting. And I still didn't know what I was doing. Um, mm that that i i got i got really lucky that i didn't get the spin off that they promised so, oh. so the, the ratings for the ratings for the the episode that i did um, were the highest in in the series and i came in season 5 um oh. so it set a record the the episode i don't think it had anything to do with me because i didn't know i was so overwhelmed on set the first time i mean you know, 200 people, crew running around. Can you stand there? Make sure you don't look at your mark. Okay, you looked at your mark again, you know. Yeah. Did you doing it in your left hand this time? Last time you did it in your right. And I'm like, oh, shit. Okay. You know, it's all happened in a million miles an hour. Um, and uh, and it did really well. And so they wanted to have me back, and they um, they wanted to give me my own show as a, a spinoff. Um... And I started getting all these calls, oh my God, you're the guy, dude, you're, your life's about to change big time, man. We're here for you, you know, if you ever need us, you know, I'm I'm just the guy for Warner Brothers that makes sure you keep your head on the ground. Like those kind of phone calls, I'm like, all right, all right, I think I can handle that. And there was a merger at the time between UPN and, uh, who was it, UPN and Warner Brothers, I guess, to create WB, the CD. Yeah. Uh, WB, yeah, to to create uh, CW. And uh, the president of UPN was the guy that took over, and he sees their slate coming in, and they're like, and we've got Alan Richson for Aquaman. He's like, who the hell is that? What's his resume? Like, well, one episode of Smallville. And he's like, that guy's not taking a show for us. So they canceled the deal, and I was like, kind of, I mean, I wasn't devastated. It was sort of like the American Idol thing, where I was like, oh, shit. All right, I guess nothing's promised i don't know um so yeah. it went away and they did the same thing they were like well we already read three thousand guys there was nobody it was him he's like nah, he's find somebody with a resume so they go cast somebody and the guy gets caught partying super hard like super duper hard in town celebrating this thing and it, it got a little wild and they didn't like that so they fired him and they called me back and they were like we're gonna give you the show got to keep your head on the ground. You know, this other guy caused him a little bit of trouble. I'm like, I'm not that kind of guy. I'm fine. And then uh, like a week later, the UPN people found Justin Hartley, who's a friend of mine um, and deserved the show. I mean, he had a million episodes of passions under his belt and all that. So they took it away a second time. And I was like, really, man, I was like, I feel like I got robbed. It was the best thing that ever happened to me because I went into that thinking like, well, I got it. Like, my instincts are so sharp. Like, well, nobody can tell me what, you know, how to, how to do this. Like, I got it, I'll just keep doing what I do. Fast forward, okay, so, so, so I went from doing drama to, to realizing like, actually, I think I want to do comedy. And nobody wanted to see me for comedy because I was coming off a CW show. They're like, just look pretty and do your CW shows. Mm-hmm. Um, but I fought really hard for this, this show called Blue Mountain State and, and got it. And it was, you know, kind of a cult hit. And uh, I, I sort of came off that pretty arrogant, thinking like, I went from number six in the call sheet, like, like it's sort of an afterthought in the script to like really kind of taking over the show in a way. And I, you know, I, I, I left thinking like, I'm gonna, now I'm gonna get whatever show I want. I should get whatever movie I want. <laughs> you know, like, now I'm the guy, I proved myself. And I, I couldn't get anything after that. I just couldn't, it just wasn't landing, you know, just timing, I don't know, it just, I couldn't book anything. And I started to like, get really bitter about it. And I stopped doing the work and I just show up and I go like, if I look the part, then I'm going to get the part. If not, like, whatever, I don't know what else I can do to prove that I can do this. It was just not a good attitude. I wasn't in a good place. And I was asked to come in and read for uh, casting directors for Thor. And I had a sense that it was like a big studio film, you know, but I just, you know, I think, Taylor Lautner just had a big action film come out, and I'm like, they're giving to any fucking idiot these days. Like, I can't, like, anybody, I don't care about acting. <laughs> you know, like, it was, it was, a, it was a, bad, it, a bad perspective, but it was really bitter. So I go and I hadn't really worked on the stuff, but I pick up lines quickly, so I kind of, like, learned the lines and, you know, just kind of walked in and did my thing. And I got a call from the casting directors. They called my agent afterwards. And they said same, sort, of, sort of the same thing I heard from the Aquaman people. Like, we, we've read thousands of the people, London, Australia, US. We, we've read every actor there is. And he walked in and we were like, man, he's the guy, please, if he has craft, he's got this. And he was so unprepared and he didn't have the craft. He didn't understand the complexity of this role. And he lost it because of that. If he'd, if he'd had done the work, he'd have been Thor. I was like, ooh. That hurts, okay, yeah. and then I had to watch now i 've had to watch all the things that Chris Emsworth has done, knowing there legitimately was a shot at that life you know so i so so it was humbling, it was very humbling for me. My agents were like, "You should do something about that and i, <laughs> I called um I called up Stan, and you know all my friends were 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 with him and doing great things and um you know, said so he was a great coach. So I called him up and I said, um, "This didn't go well. I, I'll never get back in. But I want to know what it should have felt like. I don't ever want to. I don't want to wonder what the what. What is? Well, I didn't know what the craft is. So what is the craft? I don't know. I just have instincts. And so we worked on that piece almost every day for three weeks. I would come in and just workshop that. And so at the end of this three weeks, we get done doing the scene at one point, and he goes, that. Did you feel that? That's what it was. That's what it should have been. And I was like, "Oh. Yeah. All right. That'll never happen again." Um and then, you know, and then and then took, you know, took some more classes. Um I also went and took a theater class from um after um working with Stan for quite a while, I took a theater class from Deb Aquila, who's who's got a great um, you know, great master class for more like stage type, you know, stage work and um and and then I took a writing course, um, just because I wanted to continue to develop my understanding of how to break down a script, um, and started reading a ton. I read, you know, all the Hero with a Thousand Faces, you know, all the writing, but you know, I mean, I just dove in head first. I never wanted to to be told I don't understand the craft again. Um, and I, I wrote this, I wrote this um, this body of work that, for me, summed up our job as an actor, from understanding the material to breaking it down and interpreting it, um, the technical aspect of it, the imaginary aspect of it, how we uh, rebuild once we've uh, broken it apart and, and, and make it our own. Um, and uh, I, I passed it around to some friends and somebody, Aquila uh, was writing a book at the time, and she was like, "I want, can I include this in the book? Because I think this is like the most concise, well-rounded definition of like how to break down how to you know what the craft is. Um you know so it was it was reassuring to know like okay hearing it from professionals in the business that I think you know I'm getting the feedback that there's an understanding here that was never there before changed everything. And then from from there I went back out into the business and I started to audition again. And it was like a whole new person the humility was there the gratitude for the opportunities were there the fight was there to know that I'm going in I'm gonna I'm gonna fight as hard as I can to, to, to win this part from these other professionals that deserve it um, it was a whole a paradigm shift in my world and if you chart my my work from 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 that period that a lot of people don't know about you know but from the the, the period of me sort of getting broken and rebuilding and then coming out of that it's the quality and quantity of the work has just continued to to go mm-hmm. up um and it has That's everything to do with, uh it has everything to do with the, the the work and and um and being humbled you know by that um by that beating so the best thing that ever happened to me was not getting on a cw show that would guarantee that i could do serial episodics for the rest of my life for some network you know as like the guy who you know what I mean, so on some glowy yeah. thing. There's nothing wrong with those, and there's nothing wrong with that life. I got a lot of friends that do that, and it's, um, you know, it, it, it's, a, it's a good life, but, you know, I think we all sit out with, with aspirations of being artists, you know, and, yeah. and, uh, and eventually finding something that really resonates with our, our voice and our unique tastes and, and gifts, and I just think it wasn't for me, and I got, I got lucky that I, I took a couple hard knocks, you know?
0: Yeah, that's so incredible. That was, <laughs>
1: That was that was also a turning point to me where it went from like let me see as an opportunist let me see if I could just keep booking stuff to like let me understand this business and my place in it you know uh, and that 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 perspective shifts you know it helps a lot um, mm. you know I know a lot of people probably don't have that trouble you know a lot of a lot of people are like I knew when I was six and then when I went to NYU I knew you know like i had done it I was on the way yeah <laughs> that's not me. That wasn't me. And I envy that. I did. I really envy that because I think there's something so special about just knowing who you, who you see yourself as, who you want to be, what your place is in the world. I never, you know, I mean, um, you know, I think I'm getting better at understanding who I am and my purpose, but, um, you know, I never really knew. So, um, you can flounder. Yeah. I think when, when you're somebody like me and, uh, and, uh, thank, thank God for those, those, those tough days, you know, that.
0: Yeah. Um, that's incredible perspective you know through doing all these like zoom q a's it's been so illuminating how different everyone's path is um completely different i think it really has um i have felt uh sort of a a wave wash over me of like it's not meant to be linear it's not meant to be you you arrive in la and boop boop beep boop boop you know everyone has their own um paths and that's really sort of there's a lot of like deep breaths that i'm able to because of that, um, uh, can I ask a couple questions based on the things you've already, the, the like amazing uh, inspiration bombs that you've already dropped, Alan?
1: You can ask anything you want, yeah.
0: Okay, brilliant. Um, um, I'm curious what that, um, uh, in those three weeks that you worked intensely, intensely, intensely with Stan, what were some of the ahas in that? Um, also, um, I'll just sort of give you a couple questions right now. Um, Now, in hindsight, it is the best thing that's ever happened to you. But um, uh, what would you recommend some of us who have um, been up for a big job and lost it, been up for a big job twice and lost it, um, like literally day by day to get out of bed to be, uh, how would you, what would you recommend with with a little bit of that um, hindsight, um, how we sort of get ourselves back up on our feet? And then there was one other thing that I wanted to ask. Um, uh, Well, I I also want to talk a little bit about your first few days on set where you were saying people are like, um, uh, hit your mark. Don't look at your mark. But hit your mark. Don't look at your mark. You had it in your left hand. You had it in your right hand. Um, uh, Some of those things, uh, when it feels like it's sort of all bombarding you and also right. They're filming you in addition to that and all this shit's flying at you. How do you sort of like stay centered, stay focused, focus on like what's right in front of you? If you have any thoughts on
1: all of those things. Sure, sure. sure. Um, I'll take your second question first. What do you do? How do you, how do we remain resilient and um, interested and interesting in this process Mm -hmm. when we're getting beaten down where it feels like we are? I think one thing is just, uh, I, I mean, I heard it a thousand times myself, too. Like, this is almost cliche, but we can't take it personally. But I have so much experience now being on the, being behind the camera and having read people for films, having read people as a director. I, just most recently, you know, I'm in, I'm in Toronto right now. We're We're getting ready to start shooting a new series and... I've been reading with people, you know, chemistry reads, I hear all the conversations the producers are having about what their thoughts are on these people. I get to see what their thoughts are. I'm then a part of that conversation and then uh, a part of the read and then a part of the conversation after where, you know, as an observer, it's very interesting to see their perspective versus what's going on in my head. Um, But you can have 10 people in a room that are really perfect, perfect. I mean, a flawless read would be great for the part, but there is usually just some X factor that is really hard to put your finger on as to why this person just seems more right for it. A lot of times it's hard to verbalize, but it's taught me just never to take it personally. As long as I go in and do the best that I can. And I know that I've laid it all on the line. I worked my ass off, I prepared, I went in feeling good. I did what I could, I laid it all on there. If it doesn't go my way, I know, it's just because there was just somebody that, you know, fit more what they were looking for. And a lot of these characters or roles or the casting choices are so personal to one person in that room or, or a group of people in the room that I may not just, I may not be what's in their head. And I don't know, it's just, it's absolutely, it's really nothing personal. So. Yeah, my my barometer for success as far as the audition process goes is can I feel good about walking out of there um and the times that I can't I do a lot of um soul searching about what what happened and why I don't feel that way a lot of times it comes down to my focus before going in and whether or not I really prepared um and sometimes you know sometimes we just have a bad day but um but it's not personal. So I think it's really important to know that it's just, sometimes you, you can do great and it's okay. It's okay. Cause there's, there's going to be one that does come when you're right for it. But two, <clears throat> and I think this may be more important is to find areas of your life that are meaningful to you that have nothing to do with the business. So you can stay filled up so you can feel like you've got a purpose that is, 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 is important to you and more meaningful than, than this business, which is just a business. Yes, it's important to tell stories through the medium of TV and film and access people's minds and imaginations and the conversations within the zeitgeist, planting seeds about where we can go as a species, all that's very important. But at the end of the day, it's a business. And we have to find things that move us as artists, as individuals, hobbies, relationships, community, giving. There, um, there, there, there are things that are as important or more important than uh, you know, um, playing uh, Jan on the you know the new NBC show. I mean, it's important, but if we have other aspects of our life that enrich us and fulfill us and keep us curious and keep us growing and expanding our minds and spirits as human beings. When we come in for those auditions, if we've had six or seven that haven't gone our way, we're not, we're not uh, relishing in the loss of our life. We're, we're bringing in gratitude and zeal for what our lives are about, you know, and that's infectious. You can tell when somebody comes in and they are just a curious, interesting spirit. And that, they're not desperate for this because they have a meaning and fulfillment in their lives that transcends the, the world, you know, the business or the audition. And people want to be around that, you know, mm-hmm. um, traveling, um, serving others, uh, you know, charitable um, organizations, uh, you know, athletics, hiking, nature, yoga, whatever it is, meditation, so many ways that we can, transcend this and 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 uh you know we may not go in talking about all those interesting things that we do but they'll know everybody can sense when you're a, an enriched fulfilled human being so when people come in the room like that it's right away i'm like oh this is i can relax because this person's not desperate i'm not feeling like there's some cloud of anxiety hanging over this they're just you know they're just here to do this and this is just a part of their journey just one part of it wow. you know? um, I, I think that's, that's important. And that's, that's been an important step in my life is, um, you know, making sure that I have those outlets, you know?
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, um, I'd love, do uh, uh, you mind talking about the three weeks that you and Stan yes. intently spent? Amazing.
1: Sure. Sure. So I think, uh, so for me, there was a couple of things at that point that, you know, were important for me to wrap my head around and a lot of it was technical. So um, I didn't really understand how to break down a script as far as the rhythm or the musicality of it and Stan really helped me get there. Um, Being a musician, a vocalist, I now now see my scripts as a, a piece of music, a composition. There's a rhythm to it, there's a dance. You can figure out the blocking sometimes in a scene based on the beats is, you know I, know, I know we say, like, you know, we take things beat by beat, but, I mean, quite literally, there's there's a, a rhythm to the scene, and uh, sometimes it's fast, sometimes it's slow. I sort of instinctively understood that, but Stan really helped me pinpoint, you know, where, where the cues are, you know, in, in the music sheet. Um, so the turns in a scene, you know, where the, where the where the arc lives, where the midpoint yeah. is, things reverse, that all came to life in how he... Um, help me break down the script Um, and then uh, reading between the lines which I mean this dovetails but reading between the lines right so um, what's the information that's hidden in the scene action what is that exclamation mark really telling us Um, you know uh, what are you know what is the writer giving you you know without without having to spend ink on the page you know um, Um, spelling it out Um, so that became a really important uh, area of focus that we would just sort of you know we'd analyze and pick things apart and you know I hadn't really been doing that I'd sort of read it and go like I think I hear how to say this Mm. in my head you know what I mean and it's so much it's about so much more than that Um, and uh, he you know he had a there was a big emphasis for me about that moment before which seemed so, I mean, of course, it seems, of, of course, <laughs> where am I coming from? <laughs> Gotta know. <laughs> um, but, you know, sometimes the more obvious things are what we miss. You know, we can't be afraid to ask the simplest questions. You know, it's, the, it's like the, the Elon Musk of it all. Like, is there a better way to build a car? <laughs> Has anybody asked in a hundred years? Um, there certainly is. Where, what, what is the simplest question here? Where, where am I coming from? and where am I going? And knowing that can really inform the energy of the scene and where we start and where we end. Um, I think since then I've really uh, been able to shape the technicals in a language that makes sense to me and having a background now as a writer, um, as a director, uh, there are tricks that each of those fields use to tell their stories, relay what's in their head that I've been able to apply as an actor. And um, one very simple one, is a plus and minus um, toolbox. So if, theoretically, a a good script, every scene will dovetail this way. It's a positive to a negative. Things are really great, shit, like there's not so good. The next scene will be, things are not so good, and then they end a little better with a little hope. And the next scene, there's a little hope, but some shit just happened, so now it's not so hopeful. (laughs) You know, it's just this the entire time, right? um, scene to scene, and that's one of the first things I do when I go through and look at a script is I sort of break down, like, what is the writer think The beginning of this is, <clears throat> and sometimes, you know, if I hadn't done that, I'd read a scene, you know, um, and I think like, oh, I just kind of play it like this. But editorially, if we know that we're coming off a really tense moment, um, it could be really interesting to sort of dovetail out of that and then let somebody win it over until it, you know, and so it creates this for the editor. Um, and oh. more often than not, that, uh, it, it, there's no hard and fast rule, it's not every time, but more often than not, that really informs a, a better choice as far as where I'm starting, um, taking that information from, you know, that any good writer would know. <laughs>
3: mm-hmm.
1: um, so, so that's sort of, uh, you know, in, the, in that same language of, of the before and after. Um, so, I mean, that, that's sort of where I started with him and where we sort of broke it down. He, he has a really, really great understanding of, you know, a series of threes, you know, the way the jokes are set up, it's, you know, set up, set up punchline and, um, understanding the technicals of single camera and, and, and comedy and that kind of thing. So, um, I, I'm, you know, hopefully you guys get a lot of that because it is, especially for, you know, for, um, like multicams, I mean, it's just. Um, you know, it's it's uh, it's it's good to understand. You know that the the technicals of, of or single cam, sorry, breaking down breaking down those scripts. So um, yeah. that, that's the, that those, those three weeks were sort of about that, and then um, building from there. I mean, just understanding understanding those you know the dialogue, and then the technicals. It, it came to life in a in a in a different way.
0: Fantastic! I love that. Yeah, we I just uh, just passed on Wednesday did uh in our boot camp class, our introductory class, it's uh, the full day is, is comedy. Um so talking a lot about all this stuff and at the end someone said, Oh, it's like music. Yeah, absolutely. It all is like music. And sort of once you can break it down, um, it's kind of like the matrix. It's everywhere. And once you once you like learn it, you're like, Oh, it's everywhere. And then being able to sort of manipulate it for your own for your own uh purposes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, it's all about, there's so much information, and I think I, I think the big danger, you know, especially as um, young actors, is to resist the information that's there, to say, this is what I want to bring to the part, but what about what I want to bring to the part? This is how I want to play it, and I want to really relish it. I'm a serious actor, and I want to relish in this moment, but if that's not serving you know, the the greater body of work, and it's not aligning with all the information that you're getting, because you're actually fitting in sort of this musical section where it's very Aaron Sorkin dialogue, and we're all sort of spit firing, and then, you know, you want to be the guy that's and you know, it doesn't fit. So it's great that you want to do that. But um, (laughs) our job is to to absorb absolutely as much information as possible, to be selfish with it, to just hungry, thirsty for it, to devour the information that we can get. What is the writer telling me? Fill in the blanks. I mean, are we in, um, you know, we're in, uh, you know, Miami Beach in the 70s? You know, what was culture like at the time? What was the government like at the time? What were politics like and religion? and? Um, are we on 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 Eighth and Ocean, or are we on Collins Ave? Like, wh- wh- I mean, I want to really know. Wh- I want to see. I'll go on Google Maps and like, look, where was I? You know, how mm-hmm. much can I mine from this to really understand the perspective of these people in that day or that time or whatever? I mean, just, I mean, just devour it. The information is there, and we are. It is our most fo- powerful form of currency today. Um, mm-hmm just as a species you know whoever has the information wins the war so um you know if each audition or each role is a battle i mean consume that information selfishly and i uh, you know and then and then turn it into fuel you know for what you want to do but but by the time you do if you do it well you'll be contributing to to the greater idea and it'll fit you know
2: that's
0: so awesome alan thank you um uh so you i I feel like I just need to like pause and journal for about 30 minutes on all the amazing things that you said so far. (laughs) It'll happen after the zoom. It'll be fine. Um, uh, But I want to ask about sort of like cut to um, uh, what you are up to now. So you're in production, pre-production for your next show. What was it like um, uh, leaving the show that you just came from? What was that transition and did you sort of look at multiple things or did you have your heart set on something? And yeah. If you could tell us a little bit about that.
1: Yeah. Um, so I've spent the last, uh, uh, you know, I've, I've, I've had a couple of films in between, but um, I, I've mostly been on Titans for, It's it's been Netflix internationally, but we just, uh, HBO just picked us up. Oh, because D- okay. DC Universe is not um, <clears throat> on a failed network. <laughs> so <laughs> DC Universe wanted to start a a, a network and uh, we were their first show. And it just as a network doesn't really work. Um, So HBO picked up the shows that they were doing that are that, that have ratings. Um, But, but I I was brought into that um, with two contracts. One, one was just so we could figure out how, what my involvement looked like with Titans. And the other was for my own show. I was reliving. My life is cyclical. Sometimes Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) I had another deal for my own show. So the deal was I would do two episodes for them on Titans and then I would get my own show. Um, So I was a little bit of a, not a stepchild. I mean, but you know, I just, it wasn't my show and, uh, Akiva Goldsman, um, you know, Oscar winning writer, uh, and, and and now director, um, brilliant. Um, you know, working with people like this is always just, it's exhilarating because, um, you know, the conversations you have where each mind pushes the show or the film or whatever it, um, it just always gets better in some way. And, uh, you know, it was great working with him but i told him right away i was like you know there's not going to be a hawk and dove i'm not you guys aren't going to give me my own show he's like no we talk nobody loves you they're like they're, they're loving what you're doing this is like two episodes in i was like, it's not going to happen there's not enough in there you guys are going to keep me on the show he's like you're going to keep me on titans he's like not a chance they've already they've already started working it out we're writing scripts and i'm like okay all right look maybe i'm wrong maybe i'm wrong i get a call like a month later they're like look they really love your work on the show and they feel like they need your your you know a little bit of levity what you bring to the show will you do will you stay on the show and i was like i do it i called this i could um this uh this wasn't going to happen so so i ended up just sort of um i they made me a a, a series regular on that show and um I've, I've been doing that for um you know this is the third season um and they just sort of uh you know, being that it wasn't my show and that wasn't really the deal, I had an opportunity to go look and um, heard they were casting for Jack Reacher. And so we gave it a shot. And uh, this, the sides that we had originally, you know, I don't know if you guys know, but Jack Reacher is like, you know, it's, it's based on the books by Lee Child and um, he's a little bit stoic, you know, Reacher said nothing is a famous line in the book, you know, all this information comes his way and Reacher said nothing. And so they, so they gave us these sides for this audition. It was five pages. It was like a 10, 15 audition or, you know, the whole thing. But this first scene was five pages. And he said like one line in the whole page. (laughs) And I was like, what the hell am I going to do to keep this alive? I mean, you'd never stay on somebody that long. I mean, you'd be going back and forth. There's how do I make it interesting? And so without, you know, without, um, you know, completely debasing the character. I just tried to sort of energize it a little bit, you know? Um, And it went to producers and it just didn't go any further. They're like, no, producers didn't think it was right, right? So they canceled it. Well, like four or five months later, we get a call that they'd fired that casting director, which is no surprise to me because the sides she was picking were awful. It's like, of course you're not gonna find anybody with this. Um, And uh, they brought in um, Mindy Marin and she went back and looked at the tapes that went, she, she looked at the tapes that went to producers and I got a call that they wanted to see me again and she was like, his read it just wasn't right, but it seems like he, he can do it. We have whole new sides and so I get the new sides. They rewritten the script, new side, it was great. It was great. And I was like, of course, this is like something, this is a whole different, he's a cool dude in this one. I love this. Um. And that began like a six month campaign to 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 nab that part. It was so much more than just the auditions I mean that was a big part of it, but we needed to educate Skydance and Amazon and Jen Salk over there about who you know who I am because they were going for massive names and uh, you know we, I was up against some some great actors, and um, it became this PR campaign you know where we were building press kits and websites and things like that to demonstrate to them what it would look like should they use me on a publicity side you know i mean it became my my team my manager is a genius you know i mean it was his idea to cook it up that way and um so my job was to go in and just absolutely try and crush those auditions while he was building this whole publicity machine that he could deliver to go this is what it would look like you know and um and it eventually worked um so, Titans was kind enough to let me out of the show, to, to let me out of the deal. Um, that shot in Toronto, so I just stayed here. I just wrapped on that a couple weeks ago. Um, and we're in pre-production now on Reacher, and we're just building it out. Um, we've got, the, the majority of the cast is now hired and uh, should, should be announced soon, and, and we'll start shooting in a month. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll shoot up here all summer, the, the first season. Each, se- each season is based on a book. Um, There's 24 books, so if I'm lucky, I'll be working when I'm 90. Uh, Yes. Blowing up around me while I hobble on out of there with a...
2: uh, Wow, I have um, never
0: heard anyone talk about that before. Manager creating like a campaign, a six-month campaign to let them know what it would look like if they hired you. My mind's a little blown right now. Um, So did it post like sort of posit you as like a a leading man or James Bond-esque? What is sort of, I mean, I mean, it was Jack Reacher, Jack Um, Reacher-esque, but what, what sort of things did they do with that? Yeah,
1: it was it was it was exactly that it was it was creating imagery and pulling all the work that I've done, you know, I played a cop on a show, the first time I was a lead on, the, on, on a show, um, like number one on the call sheet it was it was a, a show called Blood Drive, and we shot in South Africa. And the scripts were amazing. I mean, it was such a cool. It was such a cool show and the showrunner just did not give a shit. He didn't even come to Africa. The showrunner is everything. When you 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 find out who the showrunner is, you don't I mean don't suck up. Obviously, they understand like what their position is in the show. And they're busy as hell, but but that's who that that's who's running it. I mean, uh, more than anybody. That's it's their show. Not the director, it doesn't matter who the director is like t- you know, TV directors are just uh, just somebody to point the lens. <laughs> The showrunners, who matters? The showrunner wouldn't show up. He's like, I'm not going to Africa.
4: How no are we going to make No way.
1: I'm down there, and I desperately want this thing to succeed because I loved the concept, and it was really original and gritty and weird, and it was like lost, but with like a little more gore and horror. It was grindhouse and cool, you know? Um, and the wheels were just falling off, like day by day, you know? And I could see it happening. So I'm like fighting to go like, guys, we got, you know? come on, man, we can do better, like, let's, you know, I'm like just trying to will this thing to be good while we're down there, and the showrunner hated me because I was like fighting for better ideas in the script and the rewrites that they would send, and he's like, just fucking say it, man, it's baked crispy hard by the time it gets to your inbox, man, just fucking say the lines, you know, he hated me. Um, And, and uh, I just wasted a lot of energy doing that, but I did, I played a cop, I played, I, yeah, I was a leading man, I, you know, so, so there was, you know, there was some of that in the past, and um, the lessons there are more valuable to me than the show, um, and I'll talk about that in a second, but that helped us paint the picture of what it could, you know, what it, so we, we stole a lot from that show. Um, but it also, t- you know, taught me the value of like when you work with people that really care and are not just doing this for a paycheck and really believe in the show. Like it makes all the difference, you know.
3: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: but I think it's worth mentioning just since I'm talking about it. One of the biggest life lessons that I've learned was in watching that show come out, having known how much I fought for the best ideas. I mean, I think the intention was. It was it was very well intentioned. I showed up every day. We we shot six days a week. I worked my ass off. I was always the most prepared. I always fought for big you know, better stunts, bigger shots, bigger set pieces, um, better scenes. You know, if the script the rewrites would come in that that day or the night before and it was like cheesy or whatever, where it felt like we just are repeating information or a scene that we just say. That happened a lot actually. Like a scene would be accomplishing the same thing. Like didn't he just say he loves her and would die for her in the last scene they are saying the same thing can we, just, can we push it a little bit like a new information you know <clears throat> and and, um, and they hated me for it you know a lot, a lot of people there d- d- didn't hate me for it a lot of people liked that somebody was fighting because there was no showrunner there and they felt like some at least somebody cares but the people mm-hmm. that matter executives and the showrunner they did they didn't like the, the friction and I wasted a lot of energy I mean I was so exhausted by the time I, I came back and when I saw the finished product it didn't matter because I wasn't in the editing bay I wasn't in post-production it was garbage it it was like such a I remember the director showed me the first time the pilot episode you know we, we just went down and shot 13 straight and uh I was like okay, it's not what I saw in my head. And he's like, oh, I thought it was cool if we did like a guitar riff cutaway intro here, you know, and you're like, Oof. I thought this was gonna be really cinematic and it was really, it was sort of purposefully cheesy. And he liked that and they all thought it was really funny that it was almost comedically cheesy and it was just the opposite of what I, what I saw. And so I, I realized like that energy was wasted. Those relationships, those are bridges burned because those, those people didn't wanna work with me again. Um, for nothing. It didn't contribute to a better product. I realized as an actor, I only have control over my character. And, and even then, I have to hold loosely to it because at the end of the day, I was brought on well into the creative process. Um, I, I decided to be a different person on set after that and to fulfill my creative desires to tell a story or to have more creative control through other mediums. So if I, um, I've been very fortunate to be able to produce, um, to make some movies and um, to direct. And that is now my outlet for those conversations when I really want to fight, I'll go make my own project and I'll fight mm. for And I think a lot of actors that have not had the good fortune of being challenged by a team that they're directing, by, uh, you know, by producing something just doesn't understand how difficult it is to make this stuff and to fight an actor who believes in like, but I think, I think, I really think she'd do it this way. She would never say that. I hear that all the time on a set. She would never say, I'm not going to stand on the top of a skyscraper and be like, this is my city now. Cause like she just fought somebody for five fucking minutes and she has a bloody nose and she'd probably be like, it's time for me to go home and get cleaned up. And I would never, you know, just say it just say the line it's that cool moment where we push in on the crane and then pull out and the city's below you and you look badass like why not just say it and like i because i wouldn't say it you know like oh oh my god I, i see it all the time and it's so frustrating you know um but i let go of being that person of going like i'm not gonna say it if i have an idea and i really think it's a better idea sometimes i'll go would we be up for trying one this way? And if they go sure, then we do it that way. And if not, we go okay. And my life has gotten so much easier, so mm-hmm. much easier. When other actors go, um, I'm not going to do that. And like, would you do that? I'm not going to say it. I'm not. Gonna say that. I'm not, I'm not. Just fight your own fights, and I'll just stay here. <laughs> like, I stay in my own lane big time and I didn't do that before. I've, you know, I've worked with, prior to that, I'd work with, especially in comedy, if I felt like they're not funny enough to be in the scene with me. Like, I feel like I'm the only one funny in the scene. Can you do it this way? And I'd like give people line reads and oh, I can't believe I did that. Um, <laughs> I don't do that, I'll never do that um, again. So <clears throat> being grateful to be there, accepting the role that you're in, staying in that lane, being easy to work with, it really does matter. The only reason I got Reacher is because Greg Walker, who's the showrunner, showrunner for Titans, really affectionately cared for me because I was good on the show to him, to the, to the crew. I was just, I cared. I came off a show where I was an asshole to fight for, a, I mean, it was for a cause, but it didn't matter what it was for. It was friction all the time. Cause I was like, this is not, we can be better, you know? And it just rubs people the wrong way <clears throat> to being a light on the set and a relief from all the other actors who were taking themselves way too seriously and saying what they wouldn't do all the time. I was the guy that would. And so when I went, I've got this opportunity, Amazon saying that this could happen, but they need you to release me from this six year deal. He goes, I'll do anything for you. And he just so happy to be the boss, formerly the boss of my showrunner for this show, Nick Santora, who's done, uh, he's made seven shows. He's got an unbelievable resume. Um, These guys, you know, I mean, they just, the the fact that they've worked together, that they, that Greg was his boss at one point in time, and he called him up and said, you have to take this guy. He's going to, it was just because of this shift in attitude. And, I've in the meantime, I've seen other people getting written, written off the show, the same show that I was on, where they're not on the show, you know, um, because they're difficult to work with. It really matters. I cannot stress it enough. We have to put our egos away. We have to put our desire to, to to wear more hats than we deserve at any one point in time on that show, and just enjoy the process. If it's cheesy, if it's whatever, if you think you have a better idea, share it. But be ready to just enjoy no matter how I've said the cheesiest, stupidest stuff. And, it, you know, and then it, most of the time it works. Somehow it just works, you know? Um, but it matters. These relationships matter how, who you are in a set matters. And I learned that the hard way and I didn't even get a better product out of it. You know, it was still, it's show still tanked, you know? So, mm-hmm.
4: um, wow.
1: I wish I could say that to a lot of working actors that I spend time on set with. Um, and you know, what's funny is like the, you know, the real legends, you know, like I've worked with Laura Lenny and Stanley Tucci and, you know, just really classy human beings. And they are always just so grateful to be there. They're so humble. They're so modest. It's always these A-listers that just sort of have this. I don't know if they've had my experience where they learned the hard way. Maybe I just enjoy this and save my energy. Um, but there's a class of actor that always seems to have such uh, the way that they comport themselves is, is so um, sophisticated, and with with such gratitude. And you know, the ones that come in and they're like, "I would never." <laughs> they're just always like, "Well, is that why?" You know, is that why you're not an, a household name? I don't know. I don't know. I'm not criticizing I know. anybody. I just think I just think there's a, an interesting correlation. May not be causation, but um, but. Who we are matters to people. These relationships matter, you know.
4: Yeah. Matters.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Oh, this is incredible. <laughs> this is incredible. Um, uh, Grace, is, Grace has to head out. Do you have any questions before you head out? Gracie? Oh my God, putting me on the spot.
3: <laughs> um,
5: I'm, I'm mostly just have a comment. Um, it's really incredible to hear you talk about gratitude and like the lessons you learn along the way. Um, that's something I talk a lot about. And I think sometimes as actors, we get so bummed out, but every uh, thing that doesn't go our way, our hardship or whatever, just teaches us so much and puts us on the right path. And hearing you talk, it's so clear, like you're where you're supposed to be and you fought so hard to get there. And thank you. Right,
1: Uh, thank you. Yeah, that's, um, yeah, the awareness of the importance of gratitude is life-changing. I mean, it's the foundation of our joy, right? I mean, can we be grateful no matter what comes our way? If we can, then we can transcend the, the, the pitfalls of our life and they're going to come. Life is vicious. There's mayhem out there. Um, calamity awaits us every day to test us and ask of us what our response is going to be. Are we going to um, sink to the level of mayhem? Are we going to be mired in frustration? Are we going to rise above? It's very hard work to rise above that, but gratitude is the key to, to that elevator. You know, So I, I totally agree with you. I think the fact that you're aware of that um says everything about who you are and um I think about you know the future that, that awaits you. So good for you. Amazing. Thank,
0: nice. thank, thank you so much. <laughs> um thanks for thanks for popping in, Grace. I'll see you on Monday. Um uh Alan, is there anything else you want to say before I sort of open it up for uh some some direct questions to you?
1: Um, no, I mean, I think, I, I think I just grazed, you know, some of the more important lessons I've learned, yeah. you know, there's lots, I could do this all day. Oh my <laughs> learned, gosh. I've got a lot of ups and downs, you know? <laughs> um, uh,
0: okay. Well, does anyone want to pop in? And, um, uh, I appreciate that some, uh, have, have been asking questions in the chat to me directly, but if you want to, um, yeah, go ahead, Chandy.
1: Um, Hey, Alan, huge fan. Uh, I think Thad Castle is like the greatest <laughs> character in comedic yeah, history. Um, like you mentioned that you broke down scripts and like read books on breaking down scripts to help you understand that from like an acting perspective as well. Do you have, uh, those titles on hand? Sure. Sure. Um, so, uh, one, one, I think it's, it's, uh, this is like one that they would give you if you took a college writing course and it's not necessarily, a. a a book about screenplays, but um, Hero with a Thousand Faces, Faces, Joseph Campbell's is, um, I think, understanding the archetypal literary background of what we're playing. I mean, it's it's basically, you know, know, theorizes that we recycle the same story and the same characters over and over again. And if we understand the origins of that, origins of why we tell stories, um, we understand our role in that better. So I think it's an important one as a screenwriter um okay. because we're we're retelling the same story over and over um, i love that uh, uh, save the cat is a popular one that um that breaks right. it down for you pretty easily um and then there's one that i really like just from a purely technical standpoint it was very it, it's a very approachable way of helping you get through a a, a script but it's called uh a punching babies um and it's <laughs> it, it, it's uh it's something like writing a script is so easy it's like punching a baby or something like that is the full I mean, full on a bridge title I'll remember that one okay um, but <laughs> the author you know has this this brutal honesty and um, you know essentially helps helps you break it down I'm like look let's just start with your three X. what's the beginning the middle and the end of the story okay now yeah. let's just add in two it's just this and, um, so I think that really helps um, awesome there's really uh yeah there's others i'd have to look them up though to see no that's super helpful thank you man yeah sure, uh, sure
0: i know you're in your car christian if you want me to um uh send you those later i can i don't know what you have oh that'd to be
4: amazing that would yeah. be awesome yeah i really appreciate I got you, that boo.
0: yeah of, course. of course, you. course awesome uh sweet anyone else want to pop in yes zane hi love
3: hi um thank you so much for doing this alan and um oh, thank you so great. much I was able to come in like in the middle, like at 120, but I'm glad I'm, I'm here. Um, as actors, I feel like we all get really like anxious. I mean, I personally do, cause we're always go, go, go. And we're like, next job, next audition, next thing. How do you stay present? I know that you are probably very more, much more busy than I am personally, but um, what do you do to stay calm and present? And do you have any like meditation tips, anything that you do to keep your mind calm?
1: Mm. That's a really good question. Um, that's a, I mean, that's a big answer to be honest, because it's about how you orient your life when you're not in those moments. You know, we're going to be as anxious as we are as our, our preparation. So, um, you know, I, I think of life as like a, 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 a there's like a, a reservoir for our tolerance for stress or anxiety or um, conflict t- tension in, in life, and it's going to come right if we've oriented our life in a way that every day we are leaving as much room in that reservoir as possible to tolerate what's going to happen when those big moments come we we can survive right we, we um, maybe not even survive we can thrive, but it's about building habits that support where you're trying to go, and that's tough because that's we're talking about discipline on a on a long term scale you know um I'm going to be anxious when I step in a room for for an audition or if I'm on set when I'm not prepared you know so um, what was I filling my time with in the days and the weeks ahead of time Did I procrastinate or did I build myself a habit of waking up every day I got my I'm literally I'm a month away from shooting right now and I've got the pink pages up on scriptation I don't know if you can see this I've yeah. got my i've been working on this every day when we go to the table read i'm gonna have the whole damn script memorized uh for the first you know um my i make it a challenge i'm not trying to compete with other people but there is a very competitive nature where i i will i will not be outworked you know i will not be out i'm going to orient my life in a way i don't drink i do meditate i pray um i spend those hours in my day in a way that I can be proud of so that when those challenging moments come, there's really nothing to be anxious about because I've done the work. I did the work. Right. Um, I think that's really key. Um, and I, I didn't do that for a long time. So there, I, I definitely have those, those know, hundreds of those auditions where I walk in and I'm my legs shaking a little bit, you know, I'm having trouble getting my control of my voice because I'm so nervous that it's like getting away from me a little bit, you know, and, um, And it was all all a lack of preparation, um, a lack of confidence. I just wasn't sure what was going to come out of my mouth if I was going to get the lines or whatever. Um, You know, it's 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 about work ethic when things are going well. You know, Mm I um, um, will inform those those moments when when stresses get get high. But there's also you know I've also read books about breathing exercises, and we can actually pretty quickly. take ourselves out of that you know i I can never remember if it's parasympathetic or sympathetic but one of them is not so great a state to be in and one of them is our natural state to be in and one one we get kicked into when we're in that fight or flight mode where we're like how do i deal with this situation and i I need to you know the heart rate comes up the blood pressure comes up and we don't want to be in that state when we're in walking in a an audition and breathing exercises change everything you know um so uh, so i 've read books uh, i 've read entire books about breathing techniques um and so in those instances where I need like immediate gratification of you know, bringing my heart rate down or whatever um but but really i mean I, I i've i've not really had those moments of really great anxiety in a while because my like i said my, my life is oriented in a way where habits are there from day to day that it, that that have become natural um to, to where the work, is, you know, the work is, is um, woven into my day. You know, it's not just like, I got to cram for this really quick. I, I just I think that that helps. Um, but like I said, I, I don't know if you were there for this part of the conversation, but um, living a curious life, living a life where you're seeking out adventures that have nothing to do with that audition or that scene or, or, or the show or film that you're in, um, will 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 keep you well-rounded enough to where it relieves the pressure of feeling like this is all I've got. If I don't do this, you know, it's really about identity. You know, are we our careers? Are we our job? Are we the salary that we make? Are we the artists that we want people to think we are? Are we so much more? Are we so much more? And are we so much more Ex, you know give, given this wonderful opportunity to explore this time and space you know have we broken through this time and space in a way that we can just with wide-eyed wonderment enjoy all that there is and then witness this thing that we get to participate in this fun business where we get to make believe you know I mean um, is that just a part of it are we so much more I think for a long time my identity I used to call my agents and say like you don't understand, like, this shit, like, this fucking two lines and whatever, like, after I just have my own show, like, this is who you think I'm, I'm gonna build an empire. Empire, bro, you know? Like, I was that guy, I'd say things like empire, you know? Like, oh, <laughs> man, what an idiot. And it was because my identity was in... Being an actor, if I'm not not well known enough, then my identity is diminished, right? I mean, it can get very confusing. And your priorities then become um, very skewed and we start to miss what life is really all about. Um, So finding ways to um, allow our true identity, and I think we're far bigger than our careers, um, much more to serve our truest identity, then, then, then this becomes a very small part of who we are. And that's really easy to manage, right? If it's just this, like, oh, I need to bear witness to to this this opportunity that that's come along. What a fun! And if it happens, great. If not, that's also a fun adventure. What what, what can I learn from this? What is life asking of me? You know.
4: Um,
1: uh, so so yeah, I mean, it's just it's about it's very macro to answer your your um, your very specific question, unfortunately, but. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's about identity and orienting your life on a day-to-day basis where you are not adding toxin to, you know, a system that needs to be um, really, you know, and ready to perform and, in, in, you know, at its peak in very difficult situations.
3: Awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much. I feel like you have to, like you said, you have to live like a, a full life. So then you can live a full life in the scene as well, where you're not just like, I need to get this job. It's like, you know, I got it. Like, I'm going to go in and I'm going to do my work. And I did the homework, you know, so makes a lot of sense.
1: Thank yeah. you. Yeah. How many of you, by the way, can I just ask, how many of you are off book when you go in for an audition?
3: After taking class at, at Stan Kirsch? Yeah, always. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> always. <laughs> sure. of, you know, um, there was a lot of confusion early on. Um, Right, parasympathetic is rest and digest. So sympathetic, so we gotta kick ourselves out of that sympathetic fight or flight mode, right? And we can do that with breathing. Right, um, so uh, yeah, there was a lot of confusion for me up into a point where I just realized, why am I not? If I walk in with this paper in my hand, it clearly shows that I have not done, you know, it just sends the wrong I- image. I mean, right out of the gate, they are like, are you gonna rely on that? And then I, I often find that, I found that I would I would rely on the material because of course I get nervous and then I'm like oh, I'm gonna forget that what was that like? oh fuck let me look and now I'm in the page and I'm um, yeah I, you guys are obviously in really good hands but uh, but prepare like your life depends on it. I mean just prepare like your life depends on it and out prepare everybody else it, prepare so much that if the worst thing you can imagine happens in that room, the cell phone rings, they get up and leave, they, they say, I hate you. And you know, you're in the middle of the read, like, you can still get through that scene in a way that's um, compelling, you know. Um, so yeah, I just can't stress the work enough. Um, not that you guys aren't doing that already.
0: <laughs> uh, I oh, I love that he just said that. Um, I'm going to isolate that and play it on a loop for um, for yeah. new students. <laughs> this is why we do what we do. Um, uh, amazing, uh, Brock. Do you want to take
2: the floor?
4: Hi, Alan. I'm Brock. Nice to meet you. Hey, nice to meet you too, buddy. Um, I want to kind of focus, at least my question, shifting from you as the actor to you as the producer and creating your production company. So, what? Uh, one, I guess it's multi multi pronged. What prompted you to Ultimately, start it, and how have you found as a actor running a production company? How has it evolved uh, in terms of the projects you're bringing on? Uh, if there's like a mission statement that is kind of like a, a checklist in terms of the projects you want to develop or bring on, what are the kinds of things you're looking for? Not so much from the actor standpoint, from from the producing standpoint.
1: Right. Um, uh, so again i i was just an opportunist i've always just been an opportunist like is there an opportunity for me to do something with this moment in my life like okay let me run with it and see what happens i've always had this sort of perspective it's like well if if they can do it i can do it i mean (laughs) how how hard can it be um and that that serves me well sometimes um but i got into it because i was on a show called blue mountain state and we were on for three seasons we were number one in our demographic males 18 to 35 which is like the creme de la creme of advertising demos um that's the hardest demo to to capture and market to um so it was surprising when we got canceled but um but spike the network that we were on just decided to change their 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 slate was they they didn't want to do you know they started with us for scripted for the first time and then they were like we just want to go back to pawn wars because we can't really afford to do scripted shows it's too expensive and doesn't really fit our model so they just shifted as a network they tried it with us and then shifted away um so it wasn't really for lack of success as far as our show is concerned and netflix had just gotten started so nobody really knew what it was but they were buying up everything they could that had been made, and they bought Blue Mountain State. And I went from nobody knowing who I was, even after shooting three seasons, that even Montreal where we shot, we could walk around and everybody's like, oh, hey, oh, what's your, you're on there? Oh, that's cool, you guys filming something, eh? Oh, that's great. Like, okay, cool. We've been here for three years, man. We've been coming in every night, you know? Um, like, nobody knew. Netflix buys this thing, and all of a sudden, I'm like, I mean, I, there was, no, I was on a mountain in Africa once, and some people were like, oh, Blue Mountain State. You know, like, oh, my gosh, it's everywhere. It was their number one show, their number one show in, uh, uh, comedically around the world um, for a year. Um, and that was, you know, that was, that was when Netflix was just sort of getting started, but... I just, I was like, there's obviously we shouldn't be canceled. Like, people love this. Like, we should keep going. And I told my reps, I was like, we should, we should find a way to get Netflix to make this. And they're like, uh, we'll look into it. It was like, please go away. <laughs> we'll look into it. So like, a couple weeks later, I'm like, hey, did you guys look into it? Did you talk to Lionsgate or what? It's like, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see if we hear back from <laughs> They just didn't want anything to do with me. And so I was like, well, I'm just gonna call myself. They're like, don't you dare no 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 actors don't call lionsgate and start talking about doing it you're not you leave it to us and we'll get back to you if we want to say something you know i'm like okay and then i waited another couple weeks and they didn't so i just called i just called lionsgate i called the head of tv there kevin Beggs, who i you know worked with on the show a little bit and i was like here's what i want to do he's like well lionsgate's broken up into two divisions tv and film it's might as well be two different companies we don't talk to each other like it's really hard to sort of like communicate. It's just a whole different entity. So call this guy. And so I started calling, you know, it was it was nine months of me pestering Lionsgate and working my way up through assistance. Like assistant to Cabin Feig, you know, like uh this is uh Alan Richardson. I was on one of your shows and I want to see if we keep doing it. And they're like, who is is Alan Richardson? I was on the show. What show? Blue Mountain State. What blue mountain? What? And like, Nobody knew. Nobody cared. It was nine months of that. And I just would not take no for an answer. So finally, uh, the head of Lionsgate, I got through one day. I called three times the assistant. I'm like, did you talk to him yet? He's like, just hold on a second, please. Like, they patched me through. Like, what do you want? Who is this? I was like, look, you have a show. It went to Netflix. It's huge. I think there's life there. I'd like to make a movie to prove that there's something there. Can I get the rights? Your lawyers won't give them to me. It was like, who is this? I explained, you know, my, and I was like, I can produce this for you. He's like, knock yourself out, kid. And I was like, great. Okay. And I took the rights. I got the movie made and sold it to, sold it back to Lionsgate. And uh, it worked. And it was like a huge hit for them. Netflix made us an offer for two more, two, two more seasons of the show and two more films. They were going to build this blue mountain state empire. And it didn't work out because somebody got a little greedy not me and uh uh you know what now that the studio was back in they wanted to they basically just wanted to own this thing and like make netflix a little part of it netflix was like well we are the studio now so it just didn't work um if the deal fell apart frustratingly enough after working really hard at that but it taught me a lot about producing it it showed me that it gave me the confidence to do more of it um and, you know, so I, I would, you know, I, I could then, you know, having, having been a bonded producer that could get a film made, I, you know, I, I had access to projects, but it was sort of anything, you know, some friends of mine would want my help a little bit with casting or, you know, um, with financing a little piece of a film or something like that. So um, it was just sort of, you know, wherever I could go. And, um, and then I eventually, I met some, um, some people in Silicon Valley that had money and wanted me to run a film fund for them, a small one, just to see if we could make it work. And um, so it, my job was to find stuff that worked for what we were trying to do. And some of that was purely visib- about visibility. So, you know, I produced Seberg, um with Kristen Stewart and uh, Vince Vaughn, it was a really great cast. Um, Anthony Mackey and um, we sold that at can so you know I got to go over there and see how that process works um, was a part of that we ended up selling it to Amazon um, domestically um, and so it just it taught me a lot but I just I, I just I was given opportunities to produce and just kind of ran with them and was really learning along the way the business side of things um, Cicada 3301, is, it's actually a movie that comes out today. Um, it's, it's a movie that I, I wrote and directed and uh, sold that to Lionsgate as well. Um, so so that, that releases today. But that, that is the first one that was sort of like my MO as a production company. What, what kind of stuff do I want to make? Um, I want to tell stories that um, are original, high-concept films um, that have a sense of magic and realism. Um, I, I'm not like a, like a, a diehard sci-fi fan. Um, but I'm also like, I also just can't stand like walk and talk movies that are about like a depressed writer in LA and how he gets through the day and maybe he'll find love life, you know, at some point, you know, like those kind of movies just aren't for me. Um, so, you know, the more magic, you know, we can find in cinema to remind us that, we really do live in a world that's full of magic and light and love and um and adventure um live action films that that remind us of that i think the, the better and i think we need more of it and it's very hard to get that kind of stuff made um that's not based on like comic book ip or a book of a national bestseller which you know you know either you're looking at a 250 million fifty million dollar studio film or something with no magic that's like a $500,000 indie. I mean, there's really no middle ground anymore. And so it's really hard to get that kind of stuff made. So that's been our, that, that's that been our, our, our sort of um, MO as, as a company and um, Cicada uh, accomplishes that. I think it's a, you know, its it's got some, these really fun fantasy element, uh, elements, um, genre bending, you know, so it's, it's a little bit of a comedy, a little bit of a drama. Um, so I, that's the space that, that I'm trying to occupy with that. And, you know, it's tough to get that kind of stuff made, but, um, but you know, somehow, you know, it's, it's working, so.
4: Awesome, thank
1: you. Does that answer your question? I don't know if that's Yeah, that
4: absolutely, because I think also, too, it, and it probably is not a conscious choice that you made, it's just the way it is, but those movies that you're trying to make or the content you want to put out in the world as a producer very much aligns with who you are as an actor. I mean, it, it makes sense. It's, you're not uh-huh. this guy who would be cast in those types of movies trying to make the walk and talk Indie films, you know. Right. Just, there's a parallel in the content you naturally are as an actor, and what you're also trying to produce, direct, right all of it. It makes sense. No doubt. Yeah. No doubt. Thanks, Alan.
0: Incredible. Yeah. Thanks. Um. Uh. Sorry, my
1: dog. I... My dog is whining so loud. Do you hear him?
0: Oh no! Not at all. I That's thought it was like, a bear got walking, a walking through, through earlier. earlier.
1: Yeah, he is a bear. His name is Bear.
0: What you oh, amazing. His
1: name Bear. Uh, come
0: say hi there. <laughs> oh my goodness! He's,
1: he's 12 months old. He's a puppy. How many? He's 12 months. Oh
0: wow! Like what a
1: beautiful, yeah.
0: beautiful animal. Um, uh, Alan, I think Stephanie has a, a question for you. Okay,
3: yeah,
5: go for it. Hey Alan, thanks so much Colleen in. thanks Kristen. Um, I'm obsessed with your dog, by the way. He's so cute. Oh Oh, my my God. God. (laughs) He's so cute. Oh my gosh. Um, so quick question for you, Alan, about like family. I have a hubby and an 18 month old and you know, I just so loved what you said about having a rich life outside Mm -hmm. of the business. Um, You know, a year and a half ago, I was like, oh my God, I'm dying when you don't have sleep and you're exhausted taking care of a newborn baby and you're like, what am I doing with my life? Am I going to be an actor ever again because I'm up at 3 a.m. breastfeeding? All that good stuff. Um, But I was just kind of curious, like, I guess how you're able to balance your work life and your family life and some rituals or things you like to do to keep that, um, the family life a priority because it is Mm. so much more important at the end of the day than any job right so
1: it is the most important you you as a mother have the most important occupation we i like what c.s lewis says when he says we uh we who work uh, uh only serve the most important occupation which is motherhood um i totally agree with that and it is a very it's a burden though it's a burden to to manage Real life, you know, while also pursuing, you know, these uh, these these lofty dreams. Um, I, I, you know, it's something I'm still learning, and, and I, I I gotta say, the the more I've let go of the business as a priority to prioritize family and the more important aspects of life, the more the business has come to me.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: So I think we just have to trust sometimes that if we if we put this, the stuff that matters most first in our lives, it, it attracts the other stuff that wants to be a part of the good stuff, right? So it's that, that law of attraction in a way. But um, uh, so, you know, I moved from LA. I was in LA for, uh, I lived there for 15 years. And, um, you know, having a family, we've got three young boys. Um, they're now eight, seven and five. Um, I know about how difficult it is to manage that. I was on The Hunger Game, um, you know, one of, the, one of the first big studio films that I, that I, I was a part of um, and my wife was due uh, basically like two weeks into filming and it shot in Atlanta and we lived in LA and she couldn't fly. She was actually on bed rest and we had to make a decision like, do I take this job or do I get to see my first child born? and she's like of course she's unbelievable of course she's like you go you have to take this and i'm like i i don't deserve you (laughs) okay and i don't feel good about this but i don't deserve you and i i think this would be better for us long term for this child that we got to care for like this is going to help um and so i leave and i find out we're making our days every day and and um nina jacobson who's a producer she goes yeah you guys might get a hiatus I was like hiatus. When she's like, well, if he gets, if he makes every day for the first three weeks, we're gonna take, we're gonna give you guys a, like a three week break, and we're gonna go shoot this other B roll stuff because it's just, we're gonna be so ahead by then that we're gonna go, we'll pick up this other stuff on the water and then we'll come back. And I was like, oh my gosh! So I'm like praying every day, like please God, oh my gosh, can we please? You know, it's like I'm, I'm like sort of quietly managing things on set, I'm like guys. So they called you in. You, know, if you guys want to just. Uh, you know put the candy down and just head on in uh we can we'll can come back to the muffins and crafty uh just a bit if you <laughs> jennifer can you put the candy down please um <laughs> we uh made our days and we got to that last day and they were like great rap all right you guys are getting a hiatus I'm like everybody's like yeah and i went and i got on a plane and i flew home and three days later my, my wife had our first she was like holding on tight and i got to be there for the birth and and then i got to leave. <laughs> like, See ya. this sucks i haven't slept in two weeks i'm out of here um no so i i totally understand how difficult it is to manage the reality of um giving yourself away to another child who needs you every second of the day um but i think i think just to reassure you that i don't know why but letting go of the business as that end all be all priority i know it's important to work but something about, um, giving your energy to the more important aspects of the universe helps draw it to you somehow. So there's that, but also it goes back to what I was saying about, um, just managing your moments well, you know, we're only given so much time and we only have so much energy, um, are we gonna squander, you know, are we gonna, like for me, I, I gave up drinking um, mostly because my wife did and it just sort of became this thing that we were giving up together. But it opened up so much energy because my day no longer ended at five o'clock when it was time to sit down with a glass of wine and just relax. My day extended into my kids in the evening. So I would work all day and then I had the energy to be with them and play and we got two hours of play. So I didn't feel unfulfilled as a father I did get to spend that time with them and, and read with them and confide with them and, um, you know, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, hello. Um, and it, it makes all the difference, you know. So opening up channels to, um, to invest ourselves in, you know, in the work or whatever it is, the time is there the time is always there. It's whether or not we are truly disciplined enough to, um, to, to remain balanced, you know, in that. And, uh, and if we, if we, if we give ourselves, you know, for me, it's just, I just need an hour or two a day to to really dive in and do hard work on the script. And then I can do a couple hours of the other stuff that I have to do a couple hours with the kids, a couple hours on myself, you know, it's just, it's all there. It's all there. A couple hours of nature, you know, it's there. Um, so sometimes we have to just, just be reminded that we may need to give up some of the things that aren't serving us at that point in time. And I know as a mother, that's almost, a, that's, it's not fair to say because it's all about this other life, but, um, if there's anything there, um, you know, that isn't serving you, um, or those goals, uh, you know, that, that you would, you'd be standing in that room and that, in the audition going like, oh, I just wish I hadn't like gone out last Wednesday, you know. I mean, I needed my time away, but but now I don't have it, you know, or whatever. I don't know whatever it is, you know. But just if there's something that you would you would have a tinge of regret over, like cut cut it out of your life, and um, and you know, I think the fulfillment that we have of 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 um, knowing that we've done our best is you know can outweigh that loss. So that trade off is worth it. Um, so all that, but but it, just a big thing, you know. Like I said, a big a big part of it is just putting your energy joyfully into the good stuff the rest fills in the blank you know it just sort of fills that space that we create you know in that joy
5: i love that i love all of that taking it all in thank you so so much for that
1: sure 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 and congrats congrats thank
5: you i there's a little boy i don't think we're gonna have three you guys oh what I had
1: two. I had we, my wife and I had two. They were very young. Still had strollers, and I was in Ninja. Tur- I was in New York on Ninja Turtles, so I had to deal with Paramount. We were supposed to do three of those movies, and New York's hard with a stroller. I mean, you're like, there's no escalator down to the yeah. subway. No, nobody cares that you're trying to. You've got a baby Bjorn on your chest. They're still like, get out of the way, buddy. You know. Um, and we did not we were not trying and it was a total accident we tried everything not to have one and somehow we still had that we we're having a third and I was like white as a ghost going into work three weeks of night shoots and I'm on like week two and I go into work and I'm like this is like are you okay and I was like I'm found out i having another kid I'm not gonna. and now he's the best thing in the world you know but um you'll be fine you'll be fine
3: Awesome. Thank Can you. Um, I just
2: say really quickly that this has just been the most amazing, inspiring. Like from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much. Like this has just been so beautiful, and I'm so
0: grateful oh, that you gave us this time and you gave us all this. It's just so amazing.
1: Thank oh, you. that's so sweet. Thank you. I'm, I'm really, thank I'm you. happy to be here. I'm, I'm, yeah. I Just look, I, I want to give freely of the lessons I've learned, and you know, I mean, I just, I just want to, I just want to give. I just want to give. So I'm grateful to have an opportunity to share a little of what I. And want. it
0: makes us want to give too. It really does. 100%. Uh, thank you so much, Alan. Your family is phenomenal. We can see them sort of popping into the background and it just brings everything home for us. was just fantastic.
2: Uh, Alan, I thank just um, want to, can you hear me? Am I unmuted? Yes. Uh, hi. Yeah. Okay. Um, first of all, if your acting career doesn't work out, you should be a motivational speaker. Yeah. Okay. That was insane. Like uh, I, I kind of write down because um, we have this recording, and I want to go back and see the things that are inspiring that, that people say. And it was literally like 110, 111, 112, what, like everything uh-huh. out of <laughs> your mouth. And it was, uh-huh. I, it, <laughs> I, I like got emotional sometimes because it was so beyond advice for actors. It was like, uh-huh. like like people, I like people need to hear you speak. It was like literally uh-huh. was like tingling. It was so great. Anyway, so thank you. Um, you spent so much time with our studio and I was just so grateful and, and not only are you working on pre-production and you have three children and your amazing wife and you spent an hour and a half with us in the middle of the day on a Friday so much, thank you it's,
1: it's an honor to be able to you know share with you guys and hang out with you guys for a little bit um, I, I love doing this I love doing this teaching and reading and <laughs> <laughs> I know. I feel like
2: we need like, Alan
1: It's just—it's uh, my honor to be here. I appreciate. It. I, I, um, I, thanks for the chance to talk to you guys. Yeah. Thank,
2: thank you so much, much Alan. Yes, we adore yeah. you. Thank all, you the,
1: best it. Guys. all you. the best to you. I hope things are, are just. Uh, I hope you guys have an amazing twenty twenty one.
2: Thank you. you too. Thank you. Take care. Much. Bye. Bye
0: everyone. Thank thanks, you. Alan. Bye.